me to do something. How do you know God's will? Well, this morning when I got up, I had some choices to make, and I chose to wear shorts. This is the first time I've ever preached in shorts. And my, my, wife, my wife wasn't home, so she couldn't say no, and Bev told me to do it last week, or last time I preached, so I'm, I'm, I'm clean. But that must be God's will, because here I am. Now, uh, Trey is starting this series called Law and Order. He's going to deal with the first several chapters of Romans, and on the next slide we have a uh, breakdown of where he's going. Uh, he's going to deal with evidence part one, that's the second chapter, one through 16. The good person is guilty. Then he's going to find the religious person to be guilty in the next evidence. The closing argument is really the, uh, the uh, majority of chapter three, all people are guilty. And the good news comes in verses 21 of chapter three, where we can all be declared innocent in Christ. He wants to follow the, the movie show, Law and Order, which is a, a good analogy, I thought. This morning, we're going to deal with uh, the next slide, which is what I've called Truth or Consequences. Does anybody here remember that TV show, Truth or Consequences? It aired for 40 years. It started, 48 years. It started in 1940 as a radio program, and they took it off in 1988. But uh, on that program, they would ask a contestant some trivial question, and then they would have some funny response if they got it wrong, and they won some really cool prizes if they got it right. But it was based on just knowledge of various kinds of uh, facts and details. Uh, and if you knew it, you didn't get the bad consequence. If you, uh, you didn't know it, you got the funny, usually uh, comical consequence. But, you know, there's a lot of information available. There's a lot of knowledge in the world. When I was in college, just starting college, I was 30 years old, so I got a late start, one of my professors told me that uh, you can study error endlessly, but if you study truth, error becomes obvious. And that was a very helpful insight for me. He was telling me to study truth and would have a, a good consequence. I looked up on the uh, internet under Google, do you know that there's 130 million published bound volumes in the world? And that doesn't count uh, articles or uh, periodicals or anything like that, just bound volumes, 130 million. That's more knowledge than anybody could ever assimilate and understand. That's, that's kind of amazing to me. And when we come to what is worth investing our time in to know, of course, I'm going to say that the wisest choice, and I hope this reflects what God will say, is that God wants us to know him. Now, that knowledge is more than just a head knowledge. He wants us to know and obey him. But God will give us whatever we want spiritually. Think about that. That's an important statement. And that's what Romans 1 is going to deal with as we look at the truth or consequences from God. Romans chapter 1, I'm going to deal with that entire chapter this morning. I would like to read through it, and uh, then we'll uh, look at it in some, uh, some points in a little more detail. But uh, Romans chapter 1, if you'd turn there with me, I'd like to read that. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his scriptures in the, in, uh, regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, 
and who the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you, but have now been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes first for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and Godhead and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts, even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. That is a very, very 
heavy passage of Scripture. And I'd like you to join me as we look to the author in a word of prayer before we go much farther. Father, I do bow before you this morning and ask for your blessing. Pray that you might stir our hearts. Uh, Father, draw us close to you. Allow us to commit ourselves to follow you more completely. Allow our inner being to seek and to cry out for you. Pray, Father, that you might bless us together. Allow our worship to be uh, pleasing in your sight. And we pray, Father, that you'll guide us and lead us as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, something you need to think about is there's a lot of knowledge, like I mentioned earlier, and I've got some of that uh, knowledge written down here that I would like to read to you, and it's uh, great truths that little children have learned. No matter how hard you try, you can't baptize cats. When your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. You can't trust dogs to watch your food. And don't sneeze when getting a haircut. You can't hide broccoli in a glass of milk. Now here's some great truths that adults have learned. Raising teenagers is like nailing jelly to a tree. Wrinkles don't hurt. Families are like fudge, mostly sweet with a few nuts. Today's mighty oak is just yesterday's nut that holds it ground. And laughing is good exercise. It's like jogging on the inside. Now, here's something that I'm uh, very interested in. Great truths about growing old. Growing old is mandatory, but growing up is optional. Forget the health food. I need all the preservatives I can get. (laughs) You're really getting old when you get the same sensation from a rocking chair that you once got from a roller coaster. (laughs) Time may be a great healer, but it's a lousy beautician. Now, here's a definition of success. At age four, success is not piddling in your pants. At age 12, success is having friends. At age 17, success is having a driver's license. At age 35, success is having money. At age 50, success is having money. At age 70, success is having a driver's license. At age 75, success is having friends. And at age 80, success is not piddling in your pants. So our, our definition of success is relevant to our age, apparently. But, but what I think God is telling us, that all the knowledge in the world, these are four volumes of systematic theology that Norman Geisler wrote. They're excellent. They're great. But there's 130 million volumes written. So it's a huge endeavor to try to study and learn what's available. God tells us that knowing him and obeying him is the definition of success, real success. So on the next slide, I want to look at this, uh, this passage that we read and take it in chunks. First, I want to point out that it's a divine source. The divine source is because God chose the man. Remember, we read that first paragraph. Paul was a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. God specifically took Paul for whatever reasons. There's a whole bunch of possibilities. Everything's been written about why God chose Paul to be the man, but he was. God chose him specifically and ran him through the ringer. Now, some things you need to think about when he wrote this first chapter and this this entire epistle, actually, he's been a Christian for about 20 years now, and he's completed. This is about at the end of his third missionary journey. So he's gone into town and been run out of town. He was stoned and killed at one place where he uh, 
want to share the gospel, following God's leading. He has been rejected. He has seen the hypocrisy of the religious people of his day. The Pharisees were the ones that chased him all over the country trying to stop him from preaching. He has some Christian experience. He knows what's going down in the world of religion. And he's writing this book to a people, the Romans, who were unevangelized at this time. Now, apparently, there was a large contingent of Jewish people at this Roman church because he goes on to explain some details about the Old Testament change from Old Covenant to New Covenant and later on in Romans 7, 8, and 9. But this man, Paul, was a man that God specifically chose, appointed him as an apostle, and sent him with the message. And it was a God-appointed message, one that he had promised in the Old Testament through the prophets, one that he fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and then demonstrated the truthfulness of the message through Christ's resurrection. That's all, that's all there in that first uh, paragraph. Who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. This is the real deal. God promised this word through the prophets in the Old Testament. Old Testament faith looked forward to Christ, and here he was, Jesus Christ. It was confirmed that this man, Jesus Christ, was who he claimed to be, the Son of God, the provision for our eternal destiny, our salvation. And now Paul was the man chosen to carry this message to the Romans, and he wrote this letter. What he was doing when he wrote this message to the Romans was focusing God's attention on us, the Gentiles. I don't know, is there any people here of Jewish heritage? This Roman letter was written to us because we're Gentile. And it's specifically said that through him and for his name's sake, verse 5, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. See, God had a specific idea in mind, not only from before the foundations of the earth, but through all through the Old Testament, all through the first 20 years of Paul's salvation. We, we talked in Sunday school again about some of the decisions that we make and how does God work through us to accomplish his will? How can we decide if this is what God wants me to do? Well, Paul made those decisions, and we know from the biblical record that he was filled with the Spirit, following God, and he still got the fuzzy end of the lollipop everywhere he went. He, he was never really welcomed and, and embraced as God's man until near the end of his uh, writing period here with the Corinthians and such and so forth. But what he's doing is he's writing to a group of people, specifically telling them that they're sinners going to hell, and he's got the answer, Jesus Christ. That's the focused, godly message that God promised fulfilled, proved, and now is presenting to the Romans. It's a divine source, but there's a little hook on this paragraph that we just read. It says, to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. You see, we get a little responsibility in this deal. Our faith is expressed in our obedience. One of the wonderful things I like about Grace Bible Church, all you folks, is I can come up here and preach in shorts, and, and nobody's making funny faces or walking out. You know, there's freedom in Christianity, and that is what we enjoy as Christians here. That's not the case everywhere. There's a lot of external appearances that are necessary to be kept up in other fellowships. Save people, but nonetheless performing, worried about external appearances. This is one of the things that Paul's going to address a little bit later in chapter 2 about the reality of the uh, condemnation of the religious people. But this obedience 
that we enjoy here to express our freedom openly is one of the blessings of Christianity. But there's other things that God asks us to do as faithful Christians. You know, we're not to shack up with our neighbor's wives or husbands. We're, we're supposed to be moral people. We're supposed to uh, honor God with our lips, share the gospel message, enjoy the peace and joy that comes from being a Christian. And the reason I mention that at this point is because that's how he ends this paragraph. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what it takes to live a Christian life. It takes God's grace. And we need to have some kind of supernatural peace when everything is falling apart in our worlds. When you stand for the reality of the true gospel message that God has appointed and confirmed, you're going to irritate people. You're going to get people to react to you. Just look at all the apostles. Look at Jesus Christ himself. They didn't kill him because he was healing them and feeding them. They killed him because they didn't want him to tell them that they were wrong. But the point being that it takes God's divine grace and peace to have a joyful Christian life that he's exhorting each of us as Gentiles to enjoy. But not only is there a divine source, there's a divine subject. And the next slide uh, is describing that subject. Now, the gospel is a term that is almost uniformly identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's true. That is part of it. But it's only part of it. The gospel is bigger than just a death, burial, and resurrection. And this guy in the Zondervan Pictorial Bible Dictionary defines it. The gospel, as now used, the word describes the message of Christianity. It's more than a death, burial, resurrection. It's the message of Christianity and the books in which the story of Christ's life are told. Even Scripture will explain that the gospel message is more than just a death, burial, resurrection. That is where our obedience comes in, by the way, doing those things that come after we trust Christ as our Savior. In Galatians 2.4, Paul is arguing against the legalists that are trying to trap the Galatians in their Judaistic uh, expressions, external expressions, being circumcised in order to be saved, eating kosher foods, not defiling yourself on Sabbath day, and all this stuff, all the law requirements that were trying to be imposed on the Galatians. Paul is defending the freedom and his apostleship, in essence, in Galatians. And he writes in Galatians 2.4, this matter, and he's speaking about uh, Titus not getting circumcised, uh, or his, the circumcision of Titus is not an issue with faith, with faith, he says, this matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. See, he's referring to the gospel specifically as the freedom teaching of Scripture. Uh, it's, it's a bigger term than just death, burial, and resurrection. The reason I'm going over that is because in 15 and 16, or 16 and 17, I'm sorry, we see the, really the heartbeat of Romans. He says in, 15 and, or in 16 and 17, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That's our eternal destiny. Trust Christ as your Savior, you're going to heaven. You don't trust Christ as your Savior, you're going to hell. There, there's no option. That's part of what it is. And then look what he says in 17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. 
Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. That's temporal. That's the choices we make today, tomorrow, the rest of our lives here on earth. That righteousness from God is revealed to us in this thing we call the Bible. That's why it's important to know the Bible, because that way you have some direct hard evidence as to how you should live, what you should think, how you should uh, live your life, choices you should make. The gospel is the power of God, and Paul was not ashamed of it. Now, keep in mind that after 20 years of being hammered as a Christian, knowing that he was following the risen Savior, 20 years of getting hammered for a Christian, that's a pretty impressive statement. He's not ashamed of the gospel. He's not afraid if he's going to get uh, hammered or if he's going to get laughed at or mocked or chased out of town because it's the power of God, even through the bad times, in prison, in, in starvation, in, in uh, luxury maybe. But it's the power of God for salvation. That's the end of the nice part. Now we get to the bad part. Uh, you might want to focus on my legs and I'll make you laugh. This next section is the divine sequence. Next slide is up there. This is, this is not a good passage of Scripture for winning friends and influencing people to Christ. God revealed himself at and in creation. Now something that's a little bit of a parenthetical statement here. Do you realize in our culture, for years... The, the reality of Christ's deity has been called into question. Everybody wants to denigrate that, make Jesus Christ just a man that was died and buried. One guy said he was buried in a shallow grave and the dogs ate his bones. Trying to dispel the proof that God was who he claimed he is, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What's the big thing today to dispel the reality of God's expression and creation? Evolution. Evolution is counter, clearly counter, to Scripture. Uh, Hebrews 11 will state that again. It's through the things that were made from things unseen that God created the world. But this revelation of God in creation prompted a response from mankind. And this is the divine sequence. God reveals and man responds. Mankind has not responded very well. Something that as I was preparing for this message, it really made me think about just what is wickedness. It says here that mankind suppresses God's truth with wickedness. What would you consider to be wickedness? Is that murder, rape, sex outside of marriage? What's the wickedest thing you can think of? I would suggest, given what we'll see in our next to the last slide, what the depraved behavior of people that have rejected God actually entails, I think wickedness here includes everything that's not honoring to God, not thanking God, glorifying him as God. I think it's a big term. I don't think it's just the things we think of as the most evil, repulsive acts of society that we can come up with in our thinking. I think that man suppresses God's truth with just ignoring him. It'll say in just a minute here, that he didn't glorify, verse 21, he didn't glorify God as God. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. Hmm. That's a pretty simple thing, isn't it? I mean, sometimes I forget to say thank you to God. You know, how often do I glorify God? That's going to be one of our take-homes. How, how real is God in your daily life? But this was what 
I think, is part of the definition of wickedness. Man has no excuse. Think about that now. Think about that. There's no excuse for mankind, according to God's inspired word. That if you've been born and lived in this world, you don't have an excuse for God. That's awful, awful, awful uh, important. They knew God, and we can still know God. There's a whole realm of philosophy that says you can't know truth, much less some supernatural truth. But again, verse 21.4 up there, man did not glorify God, did not thank God. In fact, his thinking became futile. Now, in the last point on depraved behavior, it says that God's gave them over to depraved thinking. That's just not right thinking. I mean, have you ever met somebody and you, you're trying to discuss whatever it might be? It doesn't have to be religion or theology. Man, you're just not on the right page. How, come, how can you possibly think that? You don't put gasoline in the radiator. You know, or antifreeze in the gas tank is not going to help. There's just wrong thinking. And that's prevalent in our society. I think it shows up most evidently today with the whole argument pro and con for uh, homosexual behavior. Uh, they're just wrong thinking. And I think that reflects this futile thinking that is man's response to God's truth. And then the next one, point seven, man's heart was darkened. The truth no longer brought light into the heart. It was darkened. There's apparently some line in the sand where we make choices and we go past that point of being wise or... or or having God be able to give us wisdom. Hebrews 6 describes it as having tasted and then walked away from. A lot of people claim to be wise. It's one thing I don't think I've ever done. Uh, I'm a body man. Couldn't be too smart. Uh, But he claims to be wise, but he became idolatrous. Does anybody here know anybody that worships an idol? I don't know anybody personally, but I taught with a guy named uh, Prosperly Lingdao from India. Idolatry is real in parts of the world, and these people were idolatrous and practiced witchcraft, and God literally sent balls of fire rolling down the hill to get the people's attention. And that's a factual story from a man that I know personally. I think in our culture, idolatry is distraction, it's entertainment, it's comfort. I mean, uh, how hard is it to make time to read, pray, read the Bible and pray? I think in our culture, distraction is luxury, where I I really do need to make the payment on that Lexus that I'm going to get for zero financing for the next 60 months if I get to 212 now before they're all gone. We become materialistic unconsciously. And the final thing that they mentions here in verse 32, which we'll come back to later, is man continues in and approves of debauchery while knowing it deserves death. That's everybody grabbing each other's arm and skipping right down the road to hell, thinking it's just a big party. When I ran with the biker crowd, everybody used to say, I'd rather party in hell than serve in heaven. (laughs) That's a stupid statement. But that's real. I mean, that was what we did. We practiced that. Or, you know, we lived that out. And the, the scary part is the next slide, where God gives men what we wanted. Because men refused the knowledge of God, it says here they were, did not glorify him as God nor uh, give thanks to him. 
He gave them what they wanted. First, in verse 24, it's heterosexual immorality. Because of this, I'm sorry, therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies one with another. Now, I used to think, actually, until I was preparing for this message, that this is a a, a sequence, a stepping stone down into the pit. It's not. These three uh, responses, or what God gives to us, are all based on the rejection of God's truth. That's why this is such a serious passage. Heterosexual immorality, which we all know what that is, homosexual immorality, and finally, totally depraved behavior. These, all three of these, and here's your morning grammar lesson, are present active participles, which means it's an ongoing current event. It's not something that's going to happen if we keep getting worse. If I keep doing this bad stuff, God's going to nail me. If I keep rejecting God, he's going to nail me. No, 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 no. Our society reflects the reality of this judgment. God is giving us what we as a society want, present tense actively happening now. That's what it said earlier. God has, uh, is, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all mankind. Now, this has been going on for 2,000 years. Keep that in mind, too. This book has been around for a long time. And Paul was writing about 57 AD. That's current response from God to our rejection of him, his truth, failing to glorify him, failing to thank him, He is giving us what we want. Heterosexual immorality, hey, free sex was the thing in the 60s. I remember it well. Uh, How about uh, homosexual immorality? Well, I used to think it was a progression, but I don't think it is anymore. It's just part of the package that God's giving to us. That perversion, that, that wrong thinking that is part of that. And then totally depraved behavior. The next slide, I, I uh, told Glenn when I gave him this PowerPoint, I wanted to put them all on there just so that you'd see the, the, the breadth of this judgment. This is a judgment from God. This is not something that will happen if we keep getting, uh, doing bad things. Totally depraved behavior is scripturally defined, and it breaks into three categories, actually, but depraved thinking, doing what shouldn't be done. Then point C, uh, point G, and point I. Those are categories. Every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, full of And then the next one is full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are describing these people that have rejected God's knowledge. Gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventing evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless, then willing approval of sinful behavior. Does this sound to you like the morning newspaper headlines? Can you see the reality of our culture in this? We were built on the principle of, of, of God and, and following him as a Christian nation. A lot of wiggle room, a lot of arguments for and against that, but the headlines in the papers in the 18th century were nothing like they are today. This judgment from God is evidence that God is real. This is evidence that you and I are living in a culture that has rejected God. A world culture, I might add. That's why these takeouts on the next slide become so uh, meaningful. Oh, before we go to this next slide, look at this I, M, and uh, O. Gossips, slanderers, 
insolent. We make jokes about people gossiping. We make jokes about slander. We make jokes about insolence. Look at the, look at the TV shows. They're, they're you know, uh, I, I looked at part of that show, uh, Two Broke Girls. That is as much describing this as you can find. And it's apparently pretty popular. That's the reality of our life. So what can we do about that? How do we deal with this information? I know I'm speaking in large part to the choir. I hope everybody here is trusting Christ as their Savior. But what can we do about it? Well, that's where the takeout slide comes on. Next slide, please. I think that it behooves us. I I think it's absolutely necessary. Everybody, somebody that's been a Christian for 50 years, somebody that's been a Christian for two days, make a very personal and honest examination. Emphasis on honesty. Ask yourself, who are you? What are you doing with the truth that you have about God? How do you, how do I respond to God in the realities of our lives, not in what we want to do, what we think we do, what we tell people we do on Sunday morning when we see them and smile and say, hey, yeah, praise the Lord. What do you do in your heart? Do you really try to make time to pray? I know I have a hard time making that time. I got so much to do today, I can't talk to God. Do you make time to pray? Do you see God in everyday events? I do remember, honestly, when I first got saved, driving back from the body shop that I was working at, every day God painted me a beautiful picture in the clouds as I was crossing the Taikoni Palmyra Bridge, or I'd see a sunrise and just fill me up with almost the crying because it was so beautiful. Somehow or another, that's not as poignant today as it was back 30 years ago. But do we see God in the simple things of life, the good things, the sweet things, the, the smell of the grass or, the, or the, uh, the, the, the natural experiences that we all are part of? Honest, personal, examine yourself. How do you respond to his truth? Do we really try to make time for Bible reading, or is that just something we blow off? Do you know why you believe what you believe? But I told you this was part of my takeout. He read my slide earlier today. Uh, Do we know why we believe, or do you just do it because that's what your parents did? Or that's what you came to this church ever since you were old enough to, to breathe, and this is what they believe. Do you know why you believe what you believe? Seriously, this is important. This is the knowing part of God. This is how you can say yes, or I don't know that. I don't understand that. It's something that we need to be involved with. And then C, are we teachable? Are we interested in learning? Are you interested in knowing God? Do you want to know him? Because look what he said about those people that did not want to know him. Finally, I think success at any age, 4 through 80, or even above or below, is seeking to know and serve God. Because that is what the Romans were told they needed to do. And we're told from God that most people do not. So let's have that faith 
that results in obedience and start with our own personal relationship with God. Do you want to know him? Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you that you are a God that is so patient and long-suffering with me. Thank you for being faithful to me even when I am not faithful to you. Thank you for carrying me through the bad times. Thank you for uh, being there to encourage and strengthen me through your people with a kind word or a, a gift or some physical reminder of your care for me. And Lord, I just pray that you might strengthen my faith, strengthen all of our faiths. Allow us to truly want to know you, to be quick to glorify you and say thank you for your mercy and your grace. Keep us safe, Lord. Bless us. Pray that you'll bring us back and I'll enjoy fellowship one with another again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.